Friday, May 26th edition of Voice the Colors. Stephen Igo taking you through the next 40 or so minutes up to our pregame show, 94-3 the game, leading into East Carolina and UCF. It's another elimination game for the Pirates as they take on the Knights. They swept them during the regular season, but going to have to beat them for a fourth straight time to keep their season alive. The winner moving on to play USF on Saturday, and we'll have to beat the Bulls twice. And we'll get into that conversation a whole lot more. Philip Pilkington is in studio. We've also got Mike Houston set to join us in our next segment via, via the phone. We're going to talk about the Pirates transfer class. They've been very busy since we had him on our inaugural show. And so we're going to catch up with recruiting and a whole lot more with Coach Houston here in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk some Pirate baseball and Philip. We, we had the discussion yesterday on the show that most realistic chance, I think, for ECU to come out of the loser's bracket and make the championship, which no team in the American Conference Tournament history has ever done. We kind of theorized that the easiest way would be to have South Florida, the, the worst seed, heading into the tournament, win over UCF, which is probably the better all-around team. That happened. Now the Pirates and Knights face off in an elimination game here shortly, and the winner will have to move on to beat USF twice. Certainly not an easy task, but I do think it is doable if this team steps up to the plate and plays its best baseball. I think it is. And, you know, you mentioned that it theoretically is easier if you have to play South Florida twice instead of Central Florida twice. The un, you know, unfortunate thing is it makes it harder to get to tomorrow because you have to play Central Florida today as opposed to South Florida. Obviously, the Knights came here, uh, mid, you know, midway through the season and the Pirates swept them in what was kind of a wacky weekend with weather. Go figure, as it seemed like we had weather every weekend when it came to Pirate baseball this year. But I definitely think it's a doable task. Um, you know, you mentioned that their starter today will be, well, I've lost my stats here in front of me but um our start their starter today will be Vespi who is you know got a nearly nine ERA so if they can jump on him early take advantage of that get to this bullpen which is not as w- the worst in the conference but it's definitely not the best uh you'd like the Pirates chances today same formula as always right get to the bullpen and uh take your chances there it seems like these pitchers these starting pitchers with bloated ERAs have for whatever reason, had success at times against ECU. And Ben Vespi, who will start for UCF, we'll talk about him in a little bit, uh, actually was a very productive pitcher just last year and early in his career. This year, he has struggled mightily. We'll talk about that. Josh Gross is expected to start for East Carolina, of course, suspended for the second game due to the uh, Jersey Mike sandwich ejection. And so we'll see how Josh kind of answers that bell today. He struggled a little bit down the stretch as far as pitching deep in the games. That was something he did very well earlier in the season uh we are live by the way on youtube live on facebook live on 94.3 thegame.com live on the interbanks media app live on twitter if you got a question for us in regards to our upcoming visit with coach Houston or just the the tournament uh where ecu sits in the postseason picture drop it for us we'll get to it before the end of the show I always want to interact with you guys as much as possible. So uh, we're waiting on a starting lineup as well. That should be out here shortly. Again, we'll take you up to around 1240 before we hand it off to Scott Rogers and Coach O in Clearwater, Florida. And, Philip, this tournament, man, you just kind of have to shake your head at it uh, for the American Athletic Conference. Tulane and USF were downright terrible in the regular season. And here we sit, both of them in the driver's seat, both of them 2-0, they have to be beaten twice on Saturday. They get today off. On the other side of the bracket, you've got Houston and Memphis squaring off in an elimination game. 
Wichita State, which was the third seed, they're already eliminated. Cincinnati, of course, was the fifth seed. They're eliminated. And I don't know. It's just it's hard to believe two teams that didn't even have 20 wins during the regular season are in the spot they're in, where really they're two wins away from an NCAA tournament bid now. Yeah, you know, the unfortunate thing that I think this shows is really just how bad the conference is in a way. I mean, yeah, obviously East Carolina, you know, unfortunately got upset by South Florida. And upsets are part of sports. That's why we watch them, right? That's why we love them. But at the end of the day, these other games, yes, they were upsets. But to have that many just shows really how lackluster, unfortunately, this conference is this year. And, I mean, it's kind of sad, really, when when you think about it. Yeah, and I think it may be time for the American to look at the format going forward and, you know, really should teams that have – and this is not a knock on Tulane and South Florida because, look, they deserve to be in the spots they're in. Currently, they have performed the best this weekend or this week. But should the conference reward teams that have just downright awful regular seasons and really, in turn, by making the tournament, you're hurting your top teams in the league as far as at-large bids. Yes, ECU is safe either way, but, for example, playing South Florida in the first game is not going to help them in any way. There, there's no, there's really nothing to benefit there. Even if they won the game, they're going to lose RPI points. Is it time, Philip, for the conference to look at maybe what the CAA does, what uh, some other teams, I think the Big South, which Campbell's in, only takes the top four teams to the tournament, and therefore your top RPI teams are playing each other and you're not getting this – you know, you're not watering down your product even further. Yeah, it's good to include everybody, but I think it may be time for the American to kind of look at its conference tournament and, and try to reward the best teams that have a chance to make the postseason, have those teams play as much as possible. Yeah, I think it is. And I think part of the reason that we have it the way we do is because right now we have that nice round number of eight that is, you know, perfectly divisible in every which way to play the format that we do. But I think with all these new teams coming in, it'll be a perfect time to revamp the conference. Obviously, there will be more baseball teams next year in the American Athletic Conference. So I do think this is the time, you know, you'd hate to use a number as little as four, but just with how down the conference is, you know, it's, it's tough to put too many more in there but you know you think about the past there's been as many as three teams from the american make the tournament so you would think you know if we get back to that you would obviously like to see more than four in the conference tournament you'd like to have one more than one team have the ability to bid steal but i definitely think these bottom tier teams I mean, you mentioned a few mid-majors that do it obviously the acc does it the sec does it where a few of their bottom teams do not make the conference tournament i do think it is time for a switch yeah, and, and also maybe look at the location as far as uh, you're going to get a lot of weather yeah. in Florida this time of year, and that's that's bit them on multiple tournaments. And, you know, there was one year they had so many rain delays, they, they had games going on at the same time on two separate fields. It was, uh, it was quite bizarre. So, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like the American could do a little bit better of a job with with the conference tournament and helping out its best teams. And, like, there was a year ECU almost won the title as the eighth seed. Did they deserve to be there? Probably not. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I just want to. I would like to see them maybe take baseball a little bit more seriously going forward, especially with some good baseball teams entering the league. Josh Groves expected to start today, Philip, and he struggled the last few times out. He's only gone, you know, two, three, four innings early in the year. He is pitching deeper into games. Where do you feel like Josh Groves has to has to you know get into today's game? as far as the length to make the Pirates feel pretty good about the upcoming days. I mean, I, I'm not going to say he needs to go 6-7 uh, 
Um, yes, in an ideal world, sure, but you can't bank on that clearly. What is a good number for you to shoot for if you're Josh Groves to try and help out this bullpen uh, for ECU? I say put yourself in position to be granted with the win with not only five innings of work, but if you he can leave the game with five-plus innings and the lead, I think that's a very big thing. So, you know, if you only get four, I don't think it's the end of the world to get four-plus. You know, at least you can get a couple outs there in the fifth inning. But I think ideally, um, just because of the fact that, you know, if you want to play on Sunday, you want to play for a conference title, you need to win, you know, three games here in the next well under 36 hours. Yeah, you need that bullpen as rest as possible. So I think in an ideal world, he at least goes five. Josh Groves, I just put up his stats. He has not gone five complete innings since April 7th. So it's been a month and a half. And that start was against UCF. He went six innings, gave up two runs, struck out seven, walked one through 93 pitches. Since then, he's gone four and two-thirds, four and a third, three and two-thirds, four and two-thirds, four and a third, two and a third. So he's he's consistently pitched into the fifth inning. Getting through that fifth has been a problem. I think if he gets you into the fifth today uh, with a decent you know amount of runs given up, you feel pretty good. You should be pretty good from a bullpen perspective, and you may have to extend somebody like Wyatt Shinkman or – um, you know, another arm like Eric Ritchie again or something like that to get you through today. But we'll see again. If you don't win today, there's no tomorrow. So you got to find a way to pull out this victory at one o'clock. And of course, Ben Vespi going on the other side. UCF used a ton of pitchers yesterday, Philip. And Vespi this year has really struggled. He did in his last outing give some length to UCF. He went five innings, which was a season high, allowed four hits, two runs, struck out six. But that was against Bethune Cookman. Not exactly the stiffest college baseball competition. No. Uh, he, he's given up basically multiple runs every time out uh, outside of one outing against Memphis. So uh, as far as the last few months, he gets ECU on April 7th, two and a third, two runs given up, three hits, four strikeouts, one walk on April 7th. So you would like to see the Pirates get some early offense, although it's kind of shown here in these first few games, Philip, that uh, the team that has the lead going to the middle or late innings doesn't necessarily win the game. But it'll be interesting to see the Pirates' approach today. I've heard Alec Makarevich has been dealing with some sickness, um, so we'll see if he's available today. But uh, need, some, need, some, need the offense to deliver, really, when you're, when you're pitching this short, deep into the tournament. You do. And, you know, not that you, you – you know, you play the game just to win the game. It's not whether you win by one or a hundred – but, man, wouldn't a seven-run mercy roll be nice? Wouldn't it be nice just to jump on these guys early and and really save that bullpen? I think maybe that's what not necessarily what you should strive for, but I think if you're Cliff Godwin and you're up by 10 or 11 runs in that seventh inning, you almost have to manage the game as if it's a one-run game, whereas if they do get to nine, that's theoretically a loss just solely because of the fact that you want to close it out as soon as possible. But like you mentioned, teams that have been leading in the middle innings haven't necessarily won but, you know, each game is its own individual thing, and you can uh, rewrite history if you want to, and it's a perfect opportunity for the Pirates to do that today by jumping on them early and continuing that throughout the remainder of the game. And you look at the – just a quick look at the RPI report, and I know this question will come up, hey, what does ECU need to do? I still maintain they need to win the tournament to have a shot to host a regional. They are up to 26 in the RPI by virtue of not playing yesterday. They moved up a couple spots, but they're still behind – uh, a couple teams. Southern Miss is making a strong run at a regional host, uh, but you do have some teams ahead of them that have lost out in their conference tournaments and likely you know, won't move much. So ECU is going to have to continue to win into the weekend. 
uh, probably win the tournament to have a shot, but they are at least still in the mix, and we'll get more into that conversation with Philip Pilkington a little bit later. All right, let's get our first break in. On the other side, we're going to talk football. ECU has had quite the transfer recruiting class. In fact, it ranks in the top 50 uh, in the country and of all FBS teams and could be even higher if all the players are ranked by 24-7 sports. But we'll have head coach Mike Houston join us on the other side to discuss that and what's going to be an even busier recruiting month in the month of June. We'll, t- we'll touch on that a whole lot more as we are 99 days away from kickoff. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Other rest- what I like. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into this Friday, May 26th edition of Hoist the Colors. We, of course, talked baseball earlier, ECU-UCF coming up 1 o'clock. We'll have that first pitch for you on 94.3 The Game. We're going to switch gears, talk football with the head football coach at East Carolina. He is Mike Houston. We had him on the inaugural show on May 1st, and it's been about a month. And I know, Coach, you've been hard recruiting along with your, your coaching staff, whether it be Transfer Portal. Your staff has been out on the road doing high school recruiting. So how do you feel like things have gone in May in a very important recruiting time? Well, it's uh, it's been a real busy month, there's no doubt. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a combination of, you know, the, the coaches have been on the road and they've been uh, everywhere, honestly. Um, you know, evaluating high school uh, recruits, uh, and, you know, preparing for official visits, uh, you know, here this summer, starting next weekend, uh, with high school kids. Uh, and then we've had, you know, we've had transfer, uh, recruits here on campus the whole month of May, you know, virtually every weekend, um, you know, uh, here visiting and, and we feel good about, uh, you know, the results of those visits and, and where we sit today. Coach, I know when we talked on May 1st, the, the roster was close to being solidified, and we can get into some of the, the names that have joined since then, but do you feel like it's pretty well solidified at this point, or are you looking at adding another guy or two? Is it pretty much set? I'd say we're pretty close to being set. I mean, we, we, we could add one more, uh, you know, before before we're done, but uh, not you know not positive that we're going to find that right, uh, that right one with that last, uh, that last position. Gotcha. All right, well, let's talk about some of the specific uh, areas you guys have addressed, and we'll start in the wide receiver room. Of course, uh, Ryan King came in during the spring, but y'all have added two more wide receivers via the portal and Chase Soul, uh, and also Keelan Robinson from Kansas. Right. These guys obviously were highly recruited out of high school, and, and Soul played last right. year as a true freshman some for, for Colorado. What did you see in these two individuals to, to, you know, to give you the confidence to recruit them to come in and make an impact? Well, I think, you know, first off, um, they both have tremendous length. Um, you know, it's, uh, and I, and that's, that's really what we're lacking right now at the X receiver. Um, and so it, both of them fit what we were looking for. I think Chase, uh, is younger. You know, he's got four years of eligibility left. Um, but, uh, you know, he has a, a tremendously high ceiling. Uh, and, uh, literally he just left my office. Five minutes ago, and just he's he's very driven, and uh, he's here working really hard, and uh, I think he you know he has a chance to be an impact player for us, and you know we'll see if it's this fall or not. I mean, I think it, it certainly could be uh, this fall uh, if he has a great summer. Um, and then you know Keelan is a, a touch older; he's one year older, 
Uh, he still has three years of eligibility left, but uh, you know you can see he's been in a college weight room. I mean, he is a very impressive athlete. Uh, you know, very explosive, uh, really good top end speed, uh, real high character and kind of drive. So you know, we feel good about those two guys coming in and you know having a an impact immediately. We're visiting with East Carolina head football coach Mike Houston via the phone and. ECU's transfer class ranked in the, the top 50 in the country, according to 24-7 sports. Could be even higher if some of these guys could get rated. I'll have to get on that, Coach. But uh, when you look at the also the <laughs> offensive line, uh, Coach, I right. really addressed that. Uh, three additions, two from Akron and Ryan Beckman and Owen Murphy, and also Dustin Hall coming from U- USF by way of Duke. So uh, three three additions there with experience. I know you have to be happy with that uh, that Hall. Yeah, we are. You know, all three have started a uh, significant, uh, you know, significant amount of time at their respective institutions. Uh, you know, Owen uh, and Ryan from Akron. Owen's a tackle. Uh, Ryan's an interior player. Has started at both center and guard. Uh, and then uh, Dustin uh, has started for multiple years in South Florida at center and guard. So, uh, you know, we had three guys that have a lot of playing time under their belt. Uh, you know, they all they all three have multiple years of eligibility left, so it's not like they're kind of a one and done kind of deal. So, uh, you know, that along with what we have returning on the offensive line, uh, I feel very good going into the summer. Cornerback was another position that uh, the the football staff definitely addressed with. Louisville transfer Rance Connor and Jonathan Jones from Campbell and and Jones just I, I remember looking at Campbell a little bit last year when they came in and he stood out from his size and physicality. So how happy right. were you with those two additions? I'm really pleased with them. You know, Rance is, is younger, but has played, uh, you know, played, uh, you know, quite a few snaps at Louisville last year, um, you know, has a, a, a pretty high ceiling. Uh, we have him for multiple years. Uh, he's got three years of eligibility left. Uh, Jonathan, uh, you know, he's got one year, so he's here with us, you know, playing that one year. But uh, as you said, I mean, he has great length and height. Uh, he's played over a thousand snaps, so he's very experienced. And I thought, you know, we have, you know, a lot of young talent in the corner room, uh, but you don't have kind of that veteran leader uh, and that guy that has played a lot. Uh, and Jonathan has done that. And, you know, the, the film that we looked at of him was, you know, him doing it against our kids him doing against other, you know, power five schools. So, you know, he, that's the tape that we looked at when evaluating him. Uh, and he's been a real, really solid player uh, against really quality competition. We had a question on Facebook, Coach, for you from Jay. He basically is asking, you know, when you guys are looking at the portal, you see a, a player who maybe didn't play a whole lot at, at his previous institution, but, you know, has some talent, has some ability what do you guys mainly look at there? Is it practice film? Like what really gives you a good idea about, you know, taking a chance on a player like that to, to come into your program and succeed? We look at everything. I mean, it, with, with a kid like Chase, uh, you know, we looked at practice film. Uh, we looked at game film from last year at Colorado. We also looked at his high school tape. Uh, you know, we also talked to the position coach at the previous institution. Um, you know, I like to talk to somebody that I know, uh, at the previous institution, if I can find somebody that I know and trust, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them. But, you know, we, we will look at anything we can. We try to be very thorough when evaluating these kids because we want to make sure we're bringing the right the right kind of guys uh, into our program. And, 
you know, if you bring a guy in and he ends up not being, uh, you know, not being the level to be able to play, it really is not, it's not good for the kid and it's not good for the program. A couple of additions as well on the special teams. Coach Houston with Archer Trafford coming in from Mississippi State. Uh, and Jerry Rice, not the Jerry Rice, but a 5'7", uh, 170-pound <laughs> Jerry Rice coming from BMI, a kicker. And these two guys have, have performed at a pretty high level at their previous schools. And uh, I know you always preach competition. You have some returners at these positions, but I know it's going to be quite a preseason as right. far as competition for kicker and punter. Right. You know, that's – you know, I felt like we needed to basically do the same thing at both positions, and that's bring in guys that have done it. Uh, and, you know, all all that uh, Archer and Jerry were asking for is an opportunity to compete. You know, so, so they certainly have that. Um, you know, obviously Luke uh, punted for us last year and, and uh, you know, ha- had uh, kind of, you know, some good performances and some, some not-so-good performances. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that uh, he struggled with was – there's nobody there to push him, uh, you know. So I thought bringing Archer in, I mean, he, he's going to push him, there's no doubt. I mean, cause I think Archer has performed at a very high level at Mississippi State, uh, and, you know, he's he's driven to have the opportunity to be the guy here. So that will be a pretty intense comp- competition during preseason camp. Uh, and then Jerry, you know, Jerry has uh, performed at a high level, uh, you know, has, has done it for multiple years. Uh, obviously, I, I think very highly of some of our guys we have here in the program. I think Andrew Conrad finished the season strong last year. He had a, a good spring. Uh, so I think that's going to be a great competition there for our place-kicking job. I had another question on Facebook, and I was going to ask this as well, but uh, about the, the potential addition of a fourth quarterback on scholarship. Coach Houston, we talked previously, and the the – the conversation kind of was everybody knows who Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn are, so it's tough to get that guy maybe to come in and compete. Have y'all had any success there? Does it look like y'all will roll into the season with the, the three scholarship quarterbacks? No, we we haven't, and we tried. You know, it's we were very honest. Um, you know, and in, in today's today's college football, everybody knows where everybody's going, and everybody kind of knows the guys you have, and so. Uh, you know, these guys, they're, you know, they're trying to make what decision is best for them. And all those quarterbacks in, in the transfer portal that were good enough, you know, they want to go somewhere where they, where they're going to be the starter. Uh, and that's just, that's something when they start, you know, realistically looking at Mason and Alex, um, you know, that's just, they, they just did not feel like, you know, we try to tell them, listen, you, you got the opportunity to come here and compete for the starting job. I mean, it's an open competition. Um, but you know, they just did not feel like, uh, you know, that was something that, uh, they wanted to get into. So, uh, you know, it looks like unless something changes in the next, uh, probably month that, uh, we'll go into the season with three scholarship quarterbacks and two walk-on quarterbacks. Coach Houston is with us. A couple more things. We'll get you out of here, coach. And, uh, we, we haven't talked about this one on, on the air yet and it happened a while ago, but I wanted to ask you about uh, some late additions to the signing class, the high school class, and two big additions on paper, at least, as far as the stars and the ratings. So Antoine Jackson and Desirio Riles, two kids from Florida who you are, you are heavily on, they signed with different schools and then basically changed their mind and now are signed to play at ECU. And from my understanding, will be at school in a couple of weeks. So how fired are, up are you to, to end up landing Antoine Jackson, who's a four-star defensive back, the highest-rated 
recruit in program history uh, by 24-7 sports. And then DeSirio Riles, a, a very highly recruited uh, kid out of Florida, tight end as well. So I, I know you – it took a little longer maybe than you wanted, but you ended up getting the, the guys you wanted. <laughs> well, we had to work for it, there's no doubt. But, uh, you know, feel really good about both of them. Uh, and the great thing about the May, uh, you know, time on the road is, you know, Coach Coach Montanar and Coach Auer were both able to go down and spend time with Desirio and Antoine and, uh, you know, spend time with, you know, their family. And so that really helped, uh, you know, because, you know, Aaron and, and Jules are both uh, new additions as far as being uh, Aaron being promoted and Jules new to the staff. So, uh, you know, that really helped. But, you know, we, we just um, – we're really excited. They'll be here in a couple of weeks. You know, like you said, uh, June 11th uh, is report day, so they'll be here then, and uh, you know they'll hit the ground running. Uh, I think both of them have obviously a tremendously high ceiling. Um, you know, could they play as true freshmen? Yeah, they could. Uh, you know, I think that just like any other true freshman, you know, they kind of decide that based on how ready they are. But uh, certainly, they have a, a lot of ability, and there's a lot for our for for us as coaches and for our fans to be excited about with those two young men. I wanted to ask specifically about Antoine, and and again, he's he's a year younger than most guys in his class because he reclassified. So I yeah. don't want to put too much on his shoulders. He's he's still very young, but obviously he's rated high. When you looked at the film and just his skill set, what makes him such a high highly touted prospect? Well, obviously, he has. Um, you know, a great frame, length, um, a great speed. Uh, he has elite change of direction and, uh, you know, instincts. I think he's a very instinctive player. Uh, and uh, he just, he has a lot of God-given ability that, uh, you know, allows him to have the potential to play at a very, very high level. Uh, yeah, he's a year young, uh, but he has a very solid football IQ. And you look at his shoulders and traps, I mean, you know, he's, He's pretty developed, also for a for a young guy. So, um, you know, I'm I'm optimistic that uh, you know he'll he'll be able to help us this year, and certainly he wants to. You know, that's his plan. So, uh, but uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how things go once he gets here. You know, you know, competing with the older players. Coach, 99 days from kickoff, and I know y'all have started kind of summer workouts. What's the biggest? keys and goal goals for your staff to kind of mesh all these new guys together along with the returning guys, you know, before y'all open up in Michigan? Well, I think that's just it. I mean, I think we've got to, we've got to do a great job of, you know, getting everybody on the same page and, you know, getting, getting those offensive linemen working together. Uh, you know, Allen wants to play coach Mogridge wants to play more than five. So, you know, getting those, the chemistry with those guys, you know, getting the chemistry with our quarterbacks, and, and the new receivers and the returning receivers and, you know, getting the chemistry in the secondary with, you know, those additions there and uh, just getting everybody working together. Uh, it's been a very positive first week. We just finished up a little while ago. Uh, the guys are over, you know, eating, eating lunch right now. But uh, it's been a very positive first week. And, you know, one thing that Coach, uh, Coach Big John Williams and I, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, just right before we got on the air is just, you know the the roster the 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 team is is pretty far ahead of maybe where we've been in the past at this time of the year because of the nucleus and the core of the returning players. Uh, they've really hit the ground running at a very high level this week. So uh, we're excited about our, our our team and our roster. I've, I've said it a couple times, 
uh, on the uh, Armada. I know there's a lot of faces that are going to be new to our fans, uh, but uh, you know, us as coaches are very excited about what we have to work with this year. He is head coach Mike Houston. Coach, we appreciate the time on today's program. It's good to check in with you and get an update on everything. And uh, enjoy June. Hopefully you get at least uh, some rest. I know you guys got a lot of visits planned coming up, so enjoy that. Uh, end of June, we'll enjoy it. We got a lot of work to do before then. So, But uh, have a great weekend. Hope everybody's doing good. Go Pirates. Uh, absolutely. That is Coach Houston. Appreciate his time on today's program. Yeah, busy month of June already. We got a, a ton of visits scheduled, which we'll get into on the Hoist of Colors show in the coming weeks as well. All right, that was Mike Houston. We'll dive back into the baseball matchup as we approach closer to first pitch in Clearwater, Florida, UCF and ECU about to get underway in an elimination game. We have the starting lineups. We'll go over those on the other side. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Flatlands Jessup Insurance Group. Or shop open Monday through Friday till 5.30 and Saturday to 12.30. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the show. Friday, May 26th edition of Hoist the Colors. We've got a few minutes left before we send it out to Scott Rogers. Philip Pilkington back in studio. It was good to catch up with Coach Houston again. Uh, talk transfers. We'll have some of that in written form up on hoistthecolors.net, of course, and we'll continue to monitor any potential late additions to the roster in the coming weeks. But, man, August will be here before you know it. Preseason camp will begin just a few more months, and June will be a heavy recruiting month as far as high school recruiting, so we'll have a lot of coverage on Hoist the Colors about that as well. Philip, I believe we have a starting lineup from Clearwater, Florida. If you could, run us through that, and then we'll – We'll give our takes on it. See yeah, if just any surprises. Oh, sorry. Just one change from the game against Cincinnati the other day. Jacob Starling will lead off and play second, and right field batting second will be Carter Cunningham. Josh Moylan will play first base and bat third. JJC will play left and bat in the cleanup spot. And then your one change comes at the DH spot. Cam Clonch will get his 14th start of the 2023 campaign. He will bat fifth. And batting sixth behind the plate is Justin Wilcoxon, batting seventh, playing third base. Alec Makarevich. Batting eighth, the shortstop Joey Barini. The center fielder will bat ninth. That will be Lane Hoover. And pitching, as we predicted, will be Josh Gross. So Cam Clonch getting the start over Luke Nowak. And Clonch has had a lot of good at-bats lately. So good to see see him back in the uh, the starting lineup. I'm told, and I don't know how to verify this, Philip, but I'm told that the same home plate umpire who ejected Josh Gross is back behind uh home plate again today oh wow yeah, I, at least he's at least in the same umpiring crew yeah so I, it's not I'm, on stat broadcast they usually eventually do post the umpires and you know maybe i can text scooter real quick and see because yeah. he will probably know already but um there's no way for me to check so i'll text scooter and so see if i, we lo- get I looked response. At, i just pulled it up matt Nieder on stat broadcast is listed as the home plate umpire. I'm going to try to do a quick search here live on the air, see if I can find a uh, a picture of him umpiring and see if it's the same guy. And okay. I'm seeing uh, – Wait, Matt Nieder is the guy face, for I'm... today, you're saying? Or was yeah. the guy the other yep. day? Okay. He is the guy that's listed behind the plate for today's game. Gotcha. So uh, I think uh, if that's the case, man um, – 
that's not ideal for Josh Groves if you just got ejected by the guy who's now going to be calling balls and strikes. So let's keep a close eye on that situation. For sure. Um, man, that's a, that's a bummer. Uh, before we get out of here, Jay wants to know on uh, on Facebook, he's basically saying, is ECU locked into a two-seed? And if so, is, it, is there a concern of ECU basically wasting slash burning arms here if they try to make this run through the loser's bracket? And, you know, it's a double-edged sword for sure. I mean, it's um, there's a fine line, Philip. You want to win, but you you don't want to just burn up everybody going into postseason play because ultimately you want guys like your Savage, Spivey, Gross, Shinkman, Bill. You want them 100%. If they're not, then it's it's not going to do any good to host. You know, you want those guys at, at their best regardless of the location. Yeah, you know, I agree because at the end of the day, you know, what is the goal? Is it to win a conference championship or is it to win a national championship? It's to win a national championship. But this is Cliff Godwin, and we know that he is going to coach to win the game today and he's going to worry about next week when next week comes so i don't see coach godwin managing it any different uh i'm kind of on your side though steven it's like you know not that you don't want to win but you know at the end of the day i i believe and i've always been a planner and uh, i believe looking forward and kind of you know looking at the bigger picture but uh i know coach godwin is one of those very much uh you manage today's game and you know you worry about tomorrow tomorrow so i don't see him changing it up and by the way uh matt neater was the head home plate umpire just looked it up on uh tuesday when when josh got ejected so if you've got confirmation that he is the guy today that is in an undoubtedly in doubt the same guy Yep, unless it's listed wrong on stat broadcast. If you go under notes slash docs on the end, it comes up Matt Nieder, home plate umpire. So Yep, that's what I'm getting to. Keep an eye on that. Uh, man, that, that'll be uh, that's something else. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think ECU's got to find a way to obviously win today or else it becomes a moot point. But, uh, you know, your Savage can come back and start tomorrow. I just think you don't want to push him so much going into the postseason. But – I don't know, man. It's a it's an interesting conversation. I think if you win the tournament, you definitely got a strong chance to host, and that's a big advantage too. But I, I would expect Cliff Galvin to play it safe as far as over using arms, especially as we get into Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because you're going to be starting next Friday. As we see a baseball guy run across our yeah, as our he screen. runs across my head. That, that's one of that's yeah, Lane nice Hoover round on the bases right there. Yeah, well, that, hey, appreciate. Uh, Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to kind of build off. Yeah, no, I, I agree that I would try and, you know, save Trey, especially with the fact that he has been battling injury. So that's the guy I worry about the most. Yep. We'll see how Cliff Godwin approaches it. All right. That'll do it for this week on Hoist the Colors. Thanks to Philip Pilkington, Clark Willis, Chris Cook, and everybody else at 94.3 helping out. You've been listening to Hoist the Colors. We'll be back with you next Monday. Until then, enjoy the game. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back Monday with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game. Concert Series returns. Concert on the Comet. This year's